Welcome to the Life Community Church Podcast. We are so excited and thankful you've decided to join us. We have a very special message for you today that we pray blesses you. Thank you, Hunter and Allison. Don't they do a great job? They do a great job. So uh, we got a couple of things. Gary and Sue Eddie are here. Stand up, Gary and Sue. Gary and Sue are our missionary, our Wycliffe missionaries, and they're so faithful. They they live down in the hill country. They're suffering for Jesus uh, down in the hill country, working and in support with Wycliffe. Uh, they they left. They're out of our. They're out of LCC. If you don't know, they're out of LCC. They and they've been serving there in Wycliffe, 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 uh, for for many years. And we're so appreciative to having them with us. Uh, we're also glad we've got the Gideons here today. Brother Bob and Brother James are here. And they're, they're out passing Bibles out at the State Fair of Texas. I think they've already given away thousands of Bibles. So, so I know they'll give away thousands more. We're, we're so thankful for them and uh, their ministry, what they accomplish in I, you know, only heaven, it really, only heaven will know the effects of those Bibles placed strategically that people found in motels and in different places when they were desperate and on the verge of maybe taking their life and they found a scripture and they read it and they gave their life to Christ and, it, and what a turnaround. So we're thankful for the ministry of the Gideons. And the Enzers are with us from, uh, from Jacksonville, from Jacksonville. And, uh, and so, you know, they, Jackson, Jackson, Mississippi, Jacksonville, Tennessee, or what, yeah, anyway. And they, they, they abandoned us, and uh, <laughs> having loved their grandkids more than us, I don't know how that happens, but, you know, it does happen, but we're so glad you're here today. They were always, they were such a blessing to us when they were here. So today, uh, I want to talk about, we're starting a new series about finding your purpose. What does it mean to find your purpose, and how does that work in our life? I think, I think people want to know what their purpose is, and the Bible is really clear about what our purpose is and how that operates in our life. So we're going to be talking the next couple of weeks about your purpose and, and how, that, how that functions, how that works, how God has a calling, he, he's got a destiny upon your life. He's given you specific talents and gifts and abilities that he wants to use in the kingdom, that he will use in the kingdom, and, and so how your purpose will be fulfilled. So today, I want to talk about how that you're a masterpiece. You are a masterpiece. God sees you as a masterpiece. And I know immediately when I say that, I know some of you have an internal argument with me and say, well, I'm not. You know, you can look around and you see other people and you say, well, you know, they're, you know, they're really special to God, but I'm plain, I'm ordinary, I don't have a lot of gifts, I don't have a lot of talents. But God says that you are a masterpiece. A couple of years ago, we had the privilege of going to Italy. And on our trip, we rented a car just outside of Vienna, uh, Venice, not Vienna, Venice. Uh, not in Venice because it'd be in underwater. But uh, and we were on a journey from Venice to Milan. We flew out of Milan, and so along the way, you know, uh, we were we were going into Florence, 
Uh, and when we got to Florence on a weekend night, the streets were just crowded with people, unbelievably crowded. And they're just walking down the middle of the street, totally oblivious that you're behind them in a car. They don't try to get over. They don't try to get out of the way. They just are just strolling down the road, just not paying any attention. And you're thinking, man, I cannot afford to run over an Italian (laughs) in Italy. And so we're trying to be just poking along real carefully. We're following a GPS. And this is about, this is about 10 years ago or eight years ago. And we were, had a GPS that came with the rent car and GPS has always been evolving. Even still today, your GPS can take you some crazy places. Uh, and so we're, we're following this GPS, and it's not taking into account the one-way streets. And because they had these special pedestrian areas, there were these bollards, those things that would come up in the middle of the street, and they would just block the street, and it would become a pedestrian area. But the GPS, uh, Mrs. Google didn't have any idea about that. And so, so we're, we're following that. We're lost. Uh, <laughs> before you know it, uh, we're driving. I'm driving. And we end up, we are driving into the Piazza della Signora. Uh, it's, the, it's the main square. There's a picture here, I think. Uh, and, and this is the main square. And, and this is not a good picture because this this is not filled with people. It was totally filled with people. And as we're driving in, and you'll notice in that picture, you don't see any cars. There are no cars. You might, you might possibly see a police car. And, uh, and before you know it, if you, if you can see this right here next to this door is a statue, the statue of David from Michelangelo. Now, that's 17 feet tall. This is a statue of Neptune that was made in 1559. They don't want people driving (laughs) by those. So we're driving in a car totally surrounded by people, (laughs) and we're, we're, we're right up approaching the sculpture of David. Now, this, was, this, this, this sculpture was done by Michelangelo. And he said, in every block of marble, I see a statue as plain as though it stood before me, shaped and perfect in attitude and action. I have only to hew away the rough walls that imprison the lovely apparition to reveal it to the other eyes as mine see it. And then he cried. So Michelangelo said, when he's, he could look at a, he's looking at a block of marble and he sees what it can become. Well, the, the Bible says that in the same way that Michelangelo could see through the ragged, jagged piece of marble into the masterpiece that was in it, that you are God's masterpiece. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, it says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus 
for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. The word translated workmanship is the Greek word poema, and it comes from, you know, we get the English word poem. A poem is, a, is art. And so, in a sense, in what this word is saying, you are a poem of God. You are, you are a work of God. You, you are the art of God. You are a masterpiece of God. When God went to work, when God made you, he intent, intentionally crafted you. You're not an accident. He made your personality, your looks, your passion, your skills, even allowing your imperfections for those of you that have them. And planning in you also, he gave you dreams, goals and about what you would be and who you'd be and what you would accomplish. He did this all in this magnificent work of art that he calls you. Psalm 139, the psalmist says, for you formed my inward parts, you wove me in my mother's womb. I will give thanks to you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works and my soul knows it very well. You, the Bible declares, are a masterpiece of God. Isn't that incredible? You are his artwork. And there's three characteristics I want to talk about briefly this morning. Number one, you're rare. As a masterpiece, you are unique. You're rare. Uh, You can't really have a masterpiece if it's mass-produced. You know, with cheap copies all over the place. Yes, you can have replicas or prints, maybe of Van Gogh's Starry Night, or you can have you can have replicas, but somewhere there has to be the masterpiece, the original. And you are an original. You are rare. There's no one like you. So let me tell you the end of the story. So we're in the square headed towards the priceless statue, statue of Michelangelo in a rented car with a slow GPS. You know, you know, don't you appreciate your GPS when it tells you you've just missed the turn? Yeah. <laughs> turn here. It's like, there? You meant there? Uh, <laughs> so we're in a, with a slow GPS, uh, <laughs> rerouting, rerouting. Fortunately, the statue, that statue, is a copy, a, re- a replica of the original that is in the Academy Gallery in Florence to keep it away from Americans in rent cars <laughs> with bad directions. But the statue of Neptune is not. It's from 1559. We looked up and, and we saw a police car approaching us. Uh, and I said to everybody in the car, look straight ahead. Do not make eye contact. And for some reason, they, they didn't pull us over. I'm, I'm sure they're saying, stupid Americans. Uh, somewhere in the midst of this fiasco, Tina cried out, God forgive us for renting a car in Italy. <laughs> and... Uh, I was, you know, I was very impatient and frustrated tone. I said, God doesn't care about that. (laughs) And 
God does care about everything. But thankfully, bad car running decisions and bad driving are not normally a sin issue. If they were, most of you would be going to hell. So So we are a masterpiece. You are a rare and unique masterpiece of God. There's no one like you. You are the original. You are unique. You are rare. That is exactly how God made you. Uh, And if you understand that you're unique and rare, that that should free you from trying to be somebody else. A lot of people spend a lot of their life trying to fit into somebody else's mold to be someone else, but God made you to be who you are, the one and only. Maybe when you grew up, you were told or felt that you were the wrong gender or the wrong race or the wrong height. Maybe you felt like you were in the wrong, born in the wrong place or in the wrong family. Perhaps you always felt you weren't smart enough. My mother was a twin, and uh, my mother never felt smart. And the reason she never felt smart, because her twin brother was a genius. He was literally a nuclear physicist. He worked at Los Alamos after the development of the bombs and the development of nuclear power plants for submarines. So because he was so smart, he had advanced. He was her twin. He had advanced through grades quicker and had graduated quicker. So as she would get into the grade that he had, he had been out of, they would say things like to my mom, how come you're not as smart as your brother? So my mom always felt like she was not smart. The reality was my mom was brilliant. She could do anything from her I was convinced uh, all of my life that uh, because she had grown, grown up in the Depression and they didn't have any money, so they made everything. And my mom just believed if anybody could make it, we could make it. And she did it. But you, maybe you feel like you were, you're not smart enough or talented enough or, or in sports you weren't fast enough or you weren't strong enough or you weren't good enough. But you are... You are God's masterpiece. You are one of a kind. You're exactly who God intended you to be. And God even uses the the weaker and less likely people in this world to accomplish great things. I I love what it says in 2 Corinthians 4, 7. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, jars of clay. I think one version says cracked pots. We have this treasure in jars of clay so that the surpassing greatness of the power will be of God and not of ourselves. That people will not be in awe of us, but they'll be in awe of what they'll say, man, I can't believe God's able to use them. They're goobers. That way he gets the glory and not us. So you're rare. God made you unique, special. You're a masterpiece. You're a one of a kind. You're of unbelievable value. He treasures you, and you're special. A masterpiece is special just like you. There will never be another you. There's, there'll never be a just like you. Isn't it amazing that God made the detail of all of our fingerprints being different? 
And there's so many aspects of that. There's not just our fingerprints, but, a, but the retina, the pattern of our retina. There's so many aspects of us that God created in us that are specifically unique to us as individuals. There will never be another you just like you. You're unique. You're this combination of things, of your gifts, the things that you can do better than other people. We all have those. A combination of your personality. Uh, Isn't it amazing to see a baby uh, being born and it begins to develop and you see this little personality begin to develop and that personality... You see it 20 years later, you say, that was evident when they were days old. So we knew you were going to be this stubborn 20 years ago. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's just incredible. God, it's just how God stamps it. And, it. and it doesn't have to do anything with the parents. So, so most of you'll think, whose child is this? You're going to think that several times through their life. Or did, did this child get switched in the nursery? But, <laughs> but you are unique. You're this unique combination of gifts and experience. You've had experiences like no other. You've had some great experiences, and you've had some horrible experiences. And all of those experiences God uses, he doesn't cause them, but he just uses. Even in our bad experiences, God doesn't cause them, but he uses them to shape us. One of the things that he uses bad experiences to show us our need of him. A lot of us have to get really all the way to the bottom before we'll look up. That's pretty common. So God uses experiences, often of our own making, to show us our need of him. It prepares us. When we go through difficult stuff, it prepares us in a different way. It it gives us compassion. I never really thought of myself as not a very compassionate person, but uh, I had to have a mammogram. I never actually gave much thought to mammograms. But when one day I had a lump in my breast and they thought that it could be malignant because breast cancer in men is very uh, aggressive. And so they wanted me to have a mammogram. Well, they designed the mammogram machine for people that have breasts. And so they, they take the tissue and they, they smash, and you women all know this, men don't know this. They take the breast tissue and they, you didn't know you were to hear about this today, did you? And they smash it like a pancake. And that process, since they didn't, they couldn't, there was not any real breast to get a hold of. They're, they got the muscle tissue in there. And that, the operator of that machine was enjoying it too much. <laughs> She's like, <laughs> so 
you know what? That, that experience gave me compassion for people that were going to have that experience. I'd never even given it a thought. Experiences, when we have experiences, it helps us see through the lens of other people who are going to have similar experiences so that we can have greater understanding of what other people are going through. And if when we have greater understanding of what other people are going through, it helps us help people and be compassionate. And God uses that. He uses good experiences, even bad experiences. Your bad experiences, God will use to help you have compassion for those who are having the same bad experiences. If you go through cancer, you're going to have more compassion for someone else who's going through cancer. If you go through a heart procedure, you're going to have compassion for other people that are going through a heart procedure. If you go through a divorce, you're going to have compassion for someone who's going through a divorce. You might have been judgmental about people who are going through a divorce. But then after you went through a divorce, it was like, oh, Okay, it, it, there are ways that it could work that it wasn't necessarily my fault. So you change your view. A lot of you will remember Nick Voyishik. Uh, this is his quote. Nick Voyishik. I think I got a picture of him. You'll recognize him. Nick doesn't have any arms or legs. And he said... Uh, what, what does he say there? Uh, I've got it here somewhere. You can either be angry for what you've done or thankful for what you do have. You can be angry for what you don't have or thankful for what you do have. I messed that up really good. Okay. You can either be angry for what you don't have or thankful for what you do have. Now, this guy doesn't have any arms or legs. He's got a little foot kind of appendage. Uh, that he's able to motivate a little bit with. He has four children. Uh, and he, he's led more than a million people to Christ. <laughs> Most of us have not led a million people to Christ. I've been in ministry for 48 years, 49 years. I have not led a million people to Christ. But amazingly, his ability, his inability, I don't even know what you're supposed to, you can't call it a disability, uh, uh, his special need, however you want to describe it, his, you can't, it's not a handicap, apparently, for him, but his weakness or his struggle, his difficulty, his loss, he doesn't have arms and legs combined with his faith and him having an attitude of faith in Christ, then that opened the door that would have never, if he'd just been a normal person, the door would have never opened. And he is a normal person. Please understand what I'm saying. If he had no disabilities, he had no, no challenges, he wouldn't be special, but the fact that he has a great attitude with these challenges then opened the door for him to be a motivational speaker, and his motivation, the core that he talks about, is the importance of having faith in Christ. So, see, a lot of times we think, oh, God can never use this. So you've, had, you've been through some stuff. I don't want to tell you that what Satan means for evil, God causes for good. 
God's got a purpose. He's, he's got a purpose. God made you on purpose, with a purpose. You're rare, you're special, and you're valuable. A masterpiece is valuable. Uh, most masterpieces are locked away in secure locations. Uh, Michelangelo's David is not in the square in Florence. It stands safely in the Academy Gallery, 17 feet tall. It's incredible. <laughs> I mean, I don't know how they would even measure the value of, of that sculpture. It's incredible. It's uh, it's it's. It's incredibly valuable. And God's masterpiece of you, God says that you're valuable. As God's masterpiece, you have incredible value. The things that people said about you when you're growing, you were growing up, they don't matter because they don't decrease your value to God or what your parents or your grandparents or your siblings said don't matter because they don't decrease your value to God. Or the things your teachers or friends or neighbors said don't matter because they don't decrease your value to God. I know I've told you this, but the first time, the first time that I preached, one of the men in the church walked up to me afterwards and said, I don't think you're going to make it. And I think he was joking but, you know, it was not a good time to joke. But, you know, God's been faithful. You know what? It helped me realize, you know, I'm not going to make it on my own. I'm not going to make it on my own. Uh, maybe you were constantly blamed for trouble. There was chaos in the home, and they, they had to blame somebody. They blamed you. Or maybe you were just ignored or dismissed or overlooked. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because that doesn't decrease your value because you are valuable to God. Regardless of how others have viewed you, regardless of how other people have valued you, God has already made a declaration about you. and He, he declares you. You are his workmanship. You are his masterpiece. Where other people see you is just a block of marble with flaws and jagged edges. God sees the treasure of you. He has declared your worth. God has declared your worth. So anything that anybody else says doesn't count. Because God has declared your worth. See, worth is determined by what someone is willing to pay, right? Uh, Vincent van Gogh was a famous painter. Uh, Vincent van Gogh, it is said, only sold one painting in his life. He was a very prolific painter, but he was not a very successful painter. I think I've got a picture of it here. It, this is called uh, The Red Vineyard. Uh, it sold in 1890, two years before he committed suicide, it sold for 20, about $20. Uh, the, in today's dollars, it would be the equivalent of about $675. Now, 
all of his paintings are worth tens of millions of dollars. Uh, the last painting that sold at auction was the painting Laborer in a Field, it, selling in 2017 for $81 million. In reality, it's just a few dollars worth of paint on a wooden panel. There's no real value except Van Gogh painted it in his unique, really, kind of, kind of crazy style. But the value is not established by the, the, they don't say, well, hey, I'll give you $8 for it because it's like $6 piece of wood and $2 in paints, you know, then throw in a little profit. I'll give you $8 for it because that's, you know, that's all it's worth. It's not worth what it's worth because it's what it's made of. It's worth what it's worth because it was created by a master and then someone has recognized its beauty and the value has been declared because somebody's willing to pay that. Someone paid $81 million for $8 worth of paint. And guess what? There's been a higher price paid for you. Because God values you so much, you're so valuable to God, he paid the highest price possible for your salvation. 1 Peter 1.8 says this, knowing that you are not redeemed with perishable things like silver or gold from the, your futile way of life inherited from your forefathers, but with the precious blood as of a lamb, unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ. You're so valuable to God that he was willing to pay the highest price possible, the blood of Christ, for your salvation so that he could provide the way for your sins to be forgiven. But that's not all. You know, salvation is not just about getting your sins forgiven. I mean, it's, that's a great beginning. It's good to have your debt paid because we had a debt we couldn't pay. But Jesus paid the debt with his own blood, but he didn't just, it's just not a get out of jail free card, right? He didn't just pay the debt. He purchased us for God. He brought us into his family. He made the way where we can be his eternally. He wants us to be with him eternally. He paid the price so that you could spend a glorious, eternal existence that we have even no way to even think about how glorious it's going to be. He paid the price so that we talked about inheritance do you realize that because of what Jesus did, everything that Jesus gets in eternity, we get? <laughs> everything Jesus gets, God, the Son of God, everything Jesus gets in eternity, we get because of what Jesus did for us. God is saying, I want you to understand, you're valuable, you're so valuable. that I sent my son to die on your place, in your place, for God. You ever heard this verse? For God so loved the world that he gave his only 
begotten Son. That whoever believes in Him would not perish, but have everlasting life. Amen. You are, you are rare, you are special, and you are valuable to God. And that gives us purpose. So we'll talk the next couple of weeks about how that works. Now God's given us purpose. You're not an accident. You're not a mistake. You are a masterpiece of the God of the universe. And he does some pretty good stuff. Amen. 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 Let's stand. You know, the enemy of your soul will spend your whole life telling you you're worthless and worth, not worth it. He'll use people. He'll use all kinds of things. But God shouts from the cross that he loves you, you're valuable, he wants you, he desires you, he's chosen you, he's called you, he wants you in his eternal family. And if you've never said yes to Jesus Christ, I believe you're here today because he wanted you to hear how much he loves you. You're here today because he wanted you to know that he wants you in his forever family. He wants you in his kingdom. He wants to forgive your sins. But it's like one of those old commercials. But wait, there's more. Yeah. Forgiveness of sins is glorious. It's wonderful. I rejoice in it. I, I need it every day. But it's, it's, it's just the tip of the iceberg of all that he wants to be to you and be for you and be with you in Christ. He wants you in his family. Would you bow your heads, close your eyes for just a moment. Maybe you're here today, you want to raise your hand and say, I, I want to ask Jesus into my heart. Just raise your hand and say, you know what, I've never said yes to Jesus and I want to say yes to Jesus today. Just raise your hand up. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Father, we come to you right now. And we thank you, Lord, that you forgive sin. But you don't just forgive sin. You, that's just the beginning, Lord. You place us in the family. You want us to be yours. You want us. That is what's unbelievable. That is what is incredible, that you want me because I'm a mess. But you, you paid the highest price, and it's so incredible. So, Father, I ask you today, right now, Jesus, forgive me of my sins, and I ask you to be the Lord of my life and come into my heart and be my Lord and Savior. Help me to understand and believe what you've said is true about me. Help me to believe what God's word says that I am rare and special and valuable to God. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. This has been the Life Community Church Podcast. Thank you for listening.